in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for your goodness to us in providing and answering prayer. And Lord, we're thankful that uh, even though the, uh, the world would like to do all of these things, we think of all the, uh, the paperwork and everything from DOT and everything they said. And Lord, how that all we just need to do is do right, trust in you, and you will give us time and and uh, and ability to work all these details out. We just come before you, Lord, and we want to say thank you for being so good and so gracious. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's have that last hymn. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, a passage we've uh, been over before. In fact, uh, as... I'm going through my notes. There are very few passages in the Bible we haven't been over before as a church. Uh, but uh, um, as each of us do, and I pray that we do have a desire to serve the Lord, uh, to attain a, a level of service in the Lord. The Bible tells us to covet earnestly the best gifts, to desire to be used of the Lord in, in a serious way. Uh, one of the greatest struggles that we have in, in serving the Lord is being content with where we are and not being willing to be stretched to, to be used of the Lord in the way that He would uh, desire. And so, uh, as the disciples in Luke chapter uh, 17, we're asking the Lord, they said, increase our faith. What was the Lord's answer? He said, so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. And, and so, we we need to understand that the most wonderful thing about serving the Lord is He can always use us more. We, we never get when, uh, promoted to our level of incompetence. That's the way things work in the real world, we might say, is uh, you, you get a job and you do a really good job and what do they do? Oh, let's move you up. Let's promote you. And, and you do a really good job and they say, let's promote you. And then you all of a sudden find yourself in a situation that is really above your pay grade. And you're doing the best you can, but you're struggling. Every day is miserable, and they're not going to demote you, but you're kind of stuck. That's the way the world does things. God never gives you a promotion without His enablement. Amen? Aren't you glad about that? And, and we don't have time to go through all of this uh, about the gifts of the Spirit, but we, we do need, I do want to, to keep all of this in context with that. The, the gifts of the Spirit are exercised in the local church. So if you're not exercising this gift or this ability in the local church, well, then it's not a gift of the Spirit. Uh, I've often used this example, one of the greatest teachers I have ever met in my life. I, I met him in Bible college uh, to this day. That was 32 years ago I graduated Bible college. And I still remember 
Dr. Begg's class, and how many remember what the subject was? Shakespeare. Now, let me ask you just very simply, did God give Professor Beggs the ability to teach Shakespeare? Absolutely not. God's not interested in Shakespeare. I'm sorry, it's a requirement for the... It was a requirement in my college because they said you've got to take literature if you're going to have uh, a, a certified diploma. But how many of you have read Shakespeare? Okay, how many have you noticed the modern-day slop operas following much the storyline of many of Shakespeare's plays of human perversion and and, and all? So God really, Mr. Beggs, Professor Beggs was just a great teacher. He had a talent. He had been to college. He had worked and and earned a Ph.D. in teaching and. He understood the principles and the processes. He was a talented teacher. That's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. You want a gift of the Holy Spirit? Go pass out tracts and talk to somebody about Jesus. Now that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Especially if you can bring someone to church with you. Amen. That is what God wants to do. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What are you going to do? And ye shall be witnesses unto me. If If you want God's gift, if you want God to make you, and, and I've tried to give my testimony along those lines, and for some reason people here just don't believe that I was ever shy, timid, backwards, and all of those things. But actually in high school, I, I was. I mean, I was just the last guy in line when public speaking and uh, came into being. And, and uh, some of you might remember back in 1992, uh, well, not 92, 2002, we had Dr. Shelton Smith here to preach for us. And that was my pastor growing up, and, and he even gave testimony in the service. We, we always wondered what was ever going to happen to shy, timid Pete Montoro, and everybody laughed. But no, he knew me back then. You didn't. And my hope and my prayer is the difference that you see today would be the work of the Holy Spirit, not just a talent I've developed for preaching. Are, are we together on that? And... God wants to use each one of us. We have to understand this. The body is no good if you only have parts. You have to have a living body to have life. And so that makes every part important. One of my favorite illustrations is a splinter. Or stubbing your... How many of you have ever stubbed your pinky toe? Just the little toe. Your entire body is racked with pain. Am I, am I correct? I mean, you never think about your little toe until you catch it on a table leg in the middle of the night. And then... The entire family in the house, and maybe the neighbors next door, I don't know how loud you yell, uh, and, and I would hope and pray that you don't say anything bad, uh, like the preacher that hit the wrong nail with the hammer. Do you remember that story? Uh, he, 
he was roofing and he missed the nail and just literally broke the end of his thumb, blood on the roof, and everybody else on the crew was looking. Is the preacher going to cuss? Is he going to say something bad? And uh, he said, this is my testimony. He said, I'm, oh, oh, he said, praise the Lord. He said, I never saw a group of guys get a roof done so quick. They wanted to get away from me. They didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want me talking to them. They didn't know what was wrong with this preacher, that this person who could hurt themselves and not say bad words. You know, listen. We want God to work in our lives, do we not? Do I need to get the sermon on amen? I looked at that tonight and I said, you know, the amens have been getting a little thin here. Uh, we, we need to, it, it, it doesn't hurt to say amen. And uh, don't draw too much attention. You remember we had a group of visitors here that, uh, amen, you couldn't even hear the singers sing. Well, you know, we don't, most of you don't have that problem. But a simple little amen is good, all right? And, and so don't be afraid to say amen. But let's look at our text here. And really, this is a question that wouldn't hurt for us to take a little time to investigate tonight. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, that's a question, isn't it? What do you have to do to be considered above average in heaven? That's what the disciples were saying. To, to stand out from the crowd. To be an exceptional Christian. And by the way, that is something that each of us should desire. Can we say amen to that? To be more than just an average Christian, to be more than an unprofitable servant, to be used of God in His body the way to the maximum allowance God would give you. That would be great, would it not? And so the disciples are not asking this question in the light that we often put it in. Well, which one of us is the greatest, Lord? No, actually, I believe they were honestly asking, Lord, what does it take? What does it take to be great in the kingdom of heaven? What does it take to be beyond normal? And this is something that we ought to strive for. Now, we know what Jesus did, don't we? He called a little child. Verse 2, and Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. Now, I've always just loved this picture. You know, I, I just think if if uh, we went and got little Felix out of the nursery and I sat down on the step and tried to make Felix sit on my lap in front of everybody, it probably wouldn't go over very well, now would it? He'd be doing his little squeak and uh, moving around and wanting to run over to Mommy and Daddy. You know why? Because he, he just wouldn't like all of the attention. 
And so Jesus set a little child in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive such a little child, such wanton, start verse 5. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. So, we look at these verses that Jesus said, and we've got to start at the beginning. Except ye be converted. Now, that word converted simply means changed. Uh, back when I first met the Marshall family, they were working on raising money for a new bus. The, the old bus was literally a 1957 bus. And uh, they lived in that bus for many years, and, and uh, they were trying to get a newer bus, a 1975 bus. And uh, believe it or not, that bus, 1975, this was in 1986, still cost $50,000 for that bus. And then it had to be converted. And if you took the shop, took it into a shop and had someone take the seats out and build it in as a motorhome the way that Brother Marshall wanted it, it would have cost another $100,000. And so he got the idea, we'll convert the bus on the road. And uh, I traveled with them for uh, several months trying to help Brother Marshall convert that bus. But you know, buses aren't Baptists. They lose their conversion. Uh, They can can have to be converted over again. Uh, It's not salvation, my friend, but it is a change. And, And the thing is, How many here would just give testimony by saying amen? I know I'm born again the Bible way. I know I'm saved. Would you just say amen? Amen. Now, what did you do to bring that about? All you did was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't you? All you did was trust in what someone else had already done. You didn't do a thing. All the work, it is finished. Amen? Jesus did all the work. And so, when we get saved, every person gets saved the same way. Uh, I can't remember who it was, and if it were you, I'm not telling on you. Don't worry about this. But someone was asking me about the Jewish people and how they get saved and and those, they get saved exactly the same way we do. In fact, that's the stumbling stone that the Jewish people have, is they're not special uh, other than the fact that they're descendants of Abraham. But if they're going to fulfill that faith that Abraham is the father of, they must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ the same as you do. Every person alive on earth today gets saved exactly the same way. 
And we've had people who think they're better than other people. Now, we have a word that is used way too much today. It's called racist. Uh, All you have to do to be qualified as a racist is disagree with a Democrat, and and you're a racist. That's the the working definition in today's society, and that's pathetic. Uh, Because there's nobody that hates people more than someone who's trying to stop other people from hating. You ever thought about that? There, There is no one that is more hateful in our society today than the, uh, well, for lack of a better term, the alphabet crowd. Uh, they keep adding more letters, L, B, G, T, Q, R, S, V, W, I don't know. Uh, but if you don't agree with them, if you do not endorse their way of life, you're racist, you're hatred, you're, full, you're, you're just full of hatred. Well, wait a minute. Has, we don't have time to go through this tonight, but on average, a transgender person, they're in the news because the president's trying to stop transgender people from serving in the military. This is articles written by transgender people. The average person, as they transition from one gender to another, will attempt suicide at least three to five times. Do you want someone holding down the anchor position on your A-team who is considering suicide or has thought about that? Do you, do you understand the stress that our, our, our people in the military are under? Pray for our president. That's free. Except ye be converted. And become as little children. God does all the changing. Stop worrying about how much better or not you are than some other person. Stop worrying about your position. How you got saved was Jesus saved you. Can we say amen to that? Do you think if Jesus cared enough about your soul to save you that He cares enough about your soul to put you where He wants you in His church? Amen? You say, but all I do is sit here. Well, I'll tell you. You, you want to get noticed? Let's follow this. You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? Stop trying to be great. And surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and He will give you His power to talk to other people about Jesus. You know what? There's a lot of what we call soul winners out there who aren't working in the power of the Holy Spirit at all. I met one guy. He was actually in prison and he, he said, yeah, the chaplain said, go bring some people into the meeting. And so I did. He said, this guy had a bruise right here 
where I, I punched him and told him, you're going to come to the chapel services or, or I'm going to really work you over. And, and he said, I roughed up a few of them. He said, but I brought them. <laughs> That's not what it's talking about. But, but we have people who are adept at verbal fisticuffs and intimidation, manipulation. You know what? That's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's working, He will bring people in and they're going to be added to the church. Amen? Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Except ye be converted and become as little children. Uh, uh, I have a 12 or 15 point outline on what it is to be a little child and I purposely didn't bring it because I didn't want to take the time tonight. But, you know, little children don't worry about all the things that we as adults do. Little children aren't concerned with the future unless it's lunch. Until lunch is over, then it's dinner. But, I mean, that's about as future as a little child thinks. Now, I'm not telling you not to plan for the future. Not to. What I am telling you is we do need to make sure that our future and our plans are in the hands of Jesus, not in ours. Can we say amen to that? It's, it's time for us... To trust in Jesus, to have such a vision of Jesus that we're not worried about other things. You know, people love to tell stories from the Kennedy White House because he was one of the few presidents, the only president in modern time that had little children running around the White House. And they tell the story of the president in a meeting, and all of a sudden the doors to the Oval Office burst open, and in comes the son, the son of the president jumping up into daddy's arms, and a very embarrassed first lady standing there, having interrupted a very important meeting, going, I'm sorry, I, he got away from me. Now, we're not talking about the President of the United States. We're talking about the Creator of the universe. And He wants us to love Him. He wants us to understand that He loves us enough to have a big enough vision of who God is that we're not impressed or we're not worried about who else is around us. You know, little children are shameless, are they not? They, they just don't understand that thing, certain things could be embarrassing, like the father, the preacher came home, and he was trying to be spiritual. And he said, son, go get the book Daddy Loves. The preacher's here, son. And so pretty soon the son comes back with the Cabela's catalog. 
And uh, that really was not what the daddy was trying. He was trying to make points with the preacher. But the, the little boy, well, that's the book he reads all the time. How many of you know what a Cabela's catalog even is? It's sporting goods and all those things. Um, listen, we need, to, we need to be converted and be as little children. That our vision, our understanding of Christ is big enough that we're not embarrassed to come boldly before the throne of grace and to bring, present our needs before the God of heaven. That's, that's what being saved is. Live in the beauty and the wonder of that salvation. Be that, that little child. Now, look at the next verse here. Verse 4 says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? You want to be an above average Christian? We need to get this childlike attitude in our heart between us and God. We need to stop trying to figure out how God is going to do it. We need to learn to say no to ourselves. You know, sometimes that's the hardest thing. To just say no. How many of you have ever had to tell yourself to shut up? Just not to say anything. But do you listen to yourself? Nobody else does, so why should you, right? How many of you got the humor there? All right. Listen. How we got saved. Here's another illustration. How we got saved is how we live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. It's got to be all about Jesus and nothing about me. I do not need to worry where I'm going or what I'm doing if I'm holding the hand of the Savior. Can we say amen to that? If He is the one leading us. I remember a preacher years ago as my wife and I were planning to move to New York City he, he literally grabbed my coat and said, Don't you understand? They're going to eat you there. Now, there's a lot of things that have happened in New York City, but I have yet to meet my first cannibal. Um, and and I, I'm really, after being here this many years, I don't expect to meet one. Amen? I mean, who did this guy think he was? But I will tell you, I look at some of the pictures and I'm going, wow, did I really, did, did my wife really look like that little girl that is in the picture? And, uh, of course, I look like a little boy standing right beside her, but that, that was what we were all those years ago. And then somebody will come up and say, you haven't changed a bit. And I'm going, oh, I still look like a little child. no. I got some gray hairs to prove it. Somebody said, are you afraid of going gray? No, I'm endorsing it. Uh, that, that, that makes you old enough that people have to listen to you. 
because they want to be kind to old and feeble-minded people. Amen? Uh, we have to get a hold of this. If we want to serve God, we've got to humble ourselves. He gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Stop thinking about yourself. Think about Jesus. And you know what the next verse says? I do because I've studied it out. But look at verse 6. I mean, verse 5. But whoso, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Verse 5, I'm sorry. You know what? If I stop thinking about myself and think only of the Savior, you know what I'm actually going to do without even trying? I'm going to love other people who have humbled themselves in the sight of God. That's 1 John chapter 5, and this is, and by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. That, this passage and that passage are what we call parallel passages. They're talking about the same thing. They're talking about our service in the kingdom of our Savior. And we need to get a hold of verse 6. That word offend there means to stop in their service. Offending Another servant of Christ is a grievous and serious offense. We need to be very careful how we speak and how we treat other people who are trying to serve Christ. You know what? We're human beings. Not a one of us are going to be without offenses. Aren't you glad God is in the sin-forgiving business? But we need to understand that we need to help these little ones come to Jesus Christ. The problem is, the reason many of these people are little is because they're not humble. They think way too much of themselves. Uh, uh, I've had two or three different phone calls in the last several weeks. You really know things are happening when you get phone calls uh, from the psychiatric ward. Hi, I, 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 I want you to help me. Why are people doing this to me? Or, or I, I am, I, I am really in trouble. People are trying. And one of my first statements, and it's always true. You take yourself way too seriously. How many people do you think live for trying? What makes you so important? That these people were trying to destroy you. Hello. What have you accomplished? What great secret knowledge do you possess? Oh, you don't understand. I was in secret experiments. You, you know, like the six million dollar man. That, that was actually my real. I had a guy tell me this one time. And I'm sitting there going, okay. Um, so you are the result of of uh, biological experiments for the U.S. military and you at one time were a super soldier and now they're trying to destroy... Yeah, just like in the movies. And I'm sitting there going, wow, 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 wow. You really think a lot of yourself, don't you? How many push-ups can you do? 
Oh, I haven't been able to do any for years. <laughs> I'll bet you never did that many. Amen? Uh, and it, it, it takes a special serum to get somebody. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, it, it only happens in the movies, friends. But we take ourselves way too serious. Why are these people so easily offended in the world in which we live? Because they're all wrapped up in themselves. Now, how do we punch through that balloon of fantasy to help them understand that it's not about you, it's just about Jesus? I'll tell you there's only one way. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. It's the only way. We live in a world where people are just full of themselves. But there's some people out there that want to find Jesus. And guess what we need to do? We need to help them. Amen? We need to be sensitive to the working of the Holy Spirit of God. And the only way that happens is when, first, you get saved. Second, you humble yourself. Third, you work with others who have humbled themselves in the name of Jesus. That's called church. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to serve the Lord together. As your pastor, there's something I want for every person in this room. When God, when you stand before God, I don't want a church full of D-plus Christians. I'd like to see some A's and some B's. Amen? I'd like to see some excellence in our Christianity. That's that's one of the reasons I preach the way I do. It's because I, I don't want to dumb everything down and treat you like you can't understand the Bible because that's not true. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you an understanding of the Bible. We are here talking about the deepest things in God's Word. How that God can use you to an extraordinary measure. How you can actually be great in the kingdom of God. God wants that for you. Jesus Christ didn't create us to be D-plus Christians. Well, all I want is a little shack in the corner of heaven. You know, that's blasphemous. I do have the song, if you want to listen to it, Drop, Kick Me, Jesus, Through the Gold Post of Life. Uh, that kind of attitude is unbiblical, can I say that? To say the least. But if we're going to be used of Christ to our maximum effort, if we're going to step out of our abilities, you've got to go back to where you were saved. Nothing of you. All you did was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You stopped believing in yourself. Amen? And if we'll humble ourselves and put ourselves in God's disposal, He will use us. And you know what He'll do? We'll find out it's a whole lot easier to love other people who are trying to do the same thing. That's what's called church. You say, how do you get church in Matthew chapter 18? Well, you go down 
to verse, where is it here? Verse 18, and it says, Verily I say unto, um, 17, And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. The, the whole chapter's about the church, my friend. The, the serving God in the kingdom of heaven is what we are trying to do. And if you want to do better than normal, first you've got to be saved the Bible way, and you've got to live the Bible way, and you've got to love the Bible way. Amen? And if we'll do that, God will use us. And I will tell you something. God wants to do great things right here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I'll tell you, our missions giving since the missions conference has been fantastic. But I want to make sure before we take on five or six more missionary families that it's not just fervor over the conference, that it's consistent, regular giving so that we can sustain that and our projects. Our, our projects last year was $33,000. Uh, that doesn't happen with $5 bills. Amen? Uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, and, and so it, it happens as people give God's way. You know, giving is another way we humble ourselves. I could spend this money on me, my favorite charity. Or I can tell me no and the Lord yes. That's how humility works now, isn't it? Amen? And when we rub shoulders the wrong way with somebody in our own church. You know what solves that problem? Humility. It's not thinking less of yourself. That's not humility. That's fake humility. Well, you know, I'm just not that good. Of, I'm not as good a Christian as they are. That's garbage, my friend. Who made you a Christian? Jesus did. Who's going to keep you a Christian? Jesus will. Who gives you the ability to serve? Jesus will. So we're all the same. You know what humility is? Instead of thinking where I am and what I'm doing, I'm thinking of what who Jesus is and what he wants me to do. By the way, if you want to study Mary and Martha, I believe that's the recipe that Martha used in her life to stop worrying about serving. You know what? She said, I can serve a dinner. And when Mary poured the spikenard upon Jesus and filled the room and really spoiled a great deal of the dinner because you can't taste when all of that perfume was in the air, all the only thing you can do... Did we hear Mary complaining? No, the only complainer was Judas. Are you reading what I'm reading? You see, Mary got that thing straightened out because she wasn't thinking... I mean, Martha, she, she got that straightened out. She wasn't thinking about 
how ostentatious Mary's act of worship was. She wasn't worried about anything except the glorification of Jesus Christ. And we have harmony there with those that loved Jesus. Extraordinary service. Greatness in the kingdom of God. Something that we are supposed to attain unto. Amen? And that happens as we're converted and humbled and we love other people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to take these words to heart, to understand that it truly is all about you and none about us. Lord, that we would simply love you. That our vision of Christ would be so great that what anyone does around us or to us or just isn't as important as serving Christ. Lord, humility is such a high goal to attain. Help us, Lord. Work in our hearts and our lives. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just take a moment of silence as we normally do. And if you need to slip out and spend a few moments, the altar's open. And then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.